Welcome, guys, to Self-Evident Podcast number 22. That's right. We can't forget that's the funny. podcast dance. <laughs> we didn't teach them that, but that's okay. That's looking a little bit. Like, we yeah, get ourselves a little into goofy, here. especially. We get oh, man. <laughs> I always love when we have guests on, and it's like the first thirty seconds going through their head. I'm sure they're like, "What am I into now? What is happening here?" All right. So today we have. K. Carl Smith. Um, we have his book, Frederick Douglass, Republicans. Guys, you've got to check this out. This look when you look at the back, you have four See different this? examples of we'll put it up there. Christians, yeah. right? Of of godly men and how Frederick Douglass represents these men. And so getting started off, we already know something about K. Carl Smith, right? We know godly man. Obviously, Republican, conservative, standing for fundamental values. And so we were really excited to have you on um, just to really pick your brain, get to know you, get a good, solid discussion going about a, a wide range of topics, really. So looking forward to it. I, I want to ask you right off the bat, um, what got you invested in this? What, how did you start? You know, what, give us a little bit of background on how you got to this point. It was actually 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. They got me to this point. I grew up in a staunch Christian Democrat home, and I was voting Democrat just because of family tradition. Right. My grandmother, my grandfather, not really um, evaluating the platform of the party, the things they stood for. Straight up. Yeah. I was just voting because of tradition. So one night I was reading 2 Corinthians 13 and 5, and I talk about it in the book. When you read it in the message translation, I know the message don't have a lot of good translation, but this is a good translation, believe me. <laughs> in the message translation, it says, examine yourself. Make sure you're solid in the faith. Don't go alone taking things for granted. Hmm. Test yourself. You need firsthand evidence that Jesus Christ is in you. Amen. If you fail the test, do something about it. That's right. So several years ago, I started testing myself. I started testing the way I was voting. I was voting in a way where I was worship God with holy hands on Sunday and become... Tuesday come around voting time, I was voting opposite of my worship. That's crazy. And God diagnosed me and told me I was a political schizophrenic. Hmm. <laughs> and so through my vote, I was spitting in yeah. God's face. And so that really set me back because I did not realize I was doing that. Right. Until I started testing and looking at that man in the mirror. And that's a hard process to go through. That I realized that I was not pleasing in God's eyes because I was voting the opposite of my Christian teachings mm. because of family tradition. So that's what got me yeah. started. Were there were there certain things that really started to like click when you start going because that's a hard sure. process to yeah. go through, right? I mean I, I don't I don't mm. believe in same sex marriage, but I was voting for a party and candidates who espoused that. I don't believe in abortion, but yeah, I was blindly or ignorantly voting that way because of family tradition. Yeah, so those are two perfect examples yeah. of where I had to really put myself in check and realize and ask my ask my uh, ask myself, am I going to be a Christian champion or a Christian chump? Huh. Which one? That's a good way to put it. There's so much, there's so much biblical reference to what you're saying. Yeah. When Peter stopped Christ and he said, "Far be it from you, Lord, to go to the cross," and he said to him, "You know, get behind me, Satan. You savor the things of man." And it's funny because like we're so quick to do that in a lot of ways. We savor the things of man first before the things of God. Yeah. Things of God always make you go to the cross. 
you always die to yourself when you're savoring the things of God. Right. There's nothing. There's nothing popular about it, and it seems like today, like and give, let's give an example. Uh, the the new. Uh, the new senator of the Democrat from New York uh, with a 29-year-old. This is uh, Alexandra oh, Ocasio. Yeah. yeah. AOC. Just AOC. AOC, right. She's obviously ignorant of even the issue she believes in. Not to mention the Constitution. She doesn't even talk about that, right? Because, But you know what? Let's be fair. The Republicans, for the most part, don't either in a lot of ways. They just say, we're going to do this or that. Right. And there's really no constitutional reference. But now it's popular, all, all because of a catchphrase, or all because we've taught people you can get now that new Green Deal uh, that she was, you know, basically, <laughs> if you're unwilling to work, we'll get you. I mean, yeah. these things that they're throwing out there, it's almost like we savor the things of man, not be not the things of God. When he told me to work, he told me to, with the sweat of my brow, that I would take care and provide for my family and have dominion over all things. It's like we want government to have dominion over all things, but we make it sound good because, hey, Christ would have done that. Yeah. Can yeah. you go into that a little bit? Sure. Why yeah. Why socialism crept into the church under the guise of Jesus Christ? You know, that that's very significant because I just got through reading uh, something. Uh, it made me think about uh, Alexander uh, OAC. <laughs> because what the left is doing, they're presenting themselves to be the smartest people out there. Of course. They have all the answers. No. And they know what's best for us. They know what's best for us. And when you really think about that, and when you read in Southern Lives of Frederick Douglass, Douglass broke this psychology of slavery down. That's a slave master mentality. That's exactly Ooh, right. Because that's good. if I know what's best for you, and if I if I can fool you enough that I, I you think I really care about you, I want you to embrace what I believe and for you to ignore liberty. That's exactly hmm. man, dude. And I, I just got through going through, uh, wow. for the third time, going back and reading Uncle Tom's Cabin. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. And Uncle Tom's Cabin, in the first part, I think the second, the third chapter of it, where the wife is upset with uh, Mr. Shelby, they get ready to sell Tom, yeah. the beginning of the story. And she says here, and I'm paraphrasing, she says, she said, I really thought I was doing a good thing. I was caring for the slaves. I was helping them because they didn't t they couldn't take care of themselves. Of course not. I was I was substituting my care, my intelligence wow. for slavery. She said, "How fool was I?" That if we're not careful, we keep voting for people like AOC. How foolish are we? Because they're not smarter than we are. They, they're 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 supposed to be our representatives, not our masters. That's exactly. And it. it's yeah. the same mentality. I'm writing a blog now called "The Techniques of Oppression," and my argument is this: the techniques of oppression used by the slave master are identical to the techniques of oppression used by the slave government. Huh. It's it's such an. And that's where socialism start kicking in. Man. Yeah, it's such an authoritarian bent of a it's tyrannical. We'll we'll take care of you. Just That's stop why. thinking. We, we got to get know. to this because this is what Douglas wrote about this. Douglas, in his first autobiography, he wrote three. He said, one day the master came to him and said, Freddie, make no plans for the future. I will take care of you. Ooh. Douglas said, right then, I started making my plans for this kid. <laughs> <laughs> Something was wrong with that picture. So, because the slave master was trying to, I didn't try, he did it. The slave master imposed upon Frederick Douglas a lifestyle that the slave master exempted himself from. No. That's what Alexandra Acosta is going to do. She's going to impose this green uh, New Deal. lifestyle monstrosity. And guarantee you, 
they got to they got to make sure they're not under that same uh, those same laws. Man, they you guys got you got seriously, I'm going to say it again. So it's libertymessengerusa.org. Got to check this out. Please check got, it we out. We got a ton of stuff. So on those same lines, on those same lines, right? You have people that let, let's just go with this for a minute. We have a lot of black leaders that fall in line to this, and people respect them because they have that reverend in the front of their name. Sure. Right? You, reverend Jesse Jackson, you know, Reverend uh, Al Sharpton. Sharpton. Uh, no disrespect to the title of reverend. I'm not going to do that, okay? I'm not, not saying anything like that. But truth is truth and a lie is a lie. And if we're not willing to say that, for the sake of reputation, you're no better than the person that you're trying that you're disagreeing with. You're no better than the person who tells a lie. Sure. You have to be able to say what you need to say. Where do you think? Because like, I'm going to go with abortion for a minute. Margaret Sanger knew she had to get the black leaders involved to make sure that they could endorse basically abortion to destroy right. the Negro population and other races, right? Unfavored races, she called them. You see that more and more playing out today, a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And now under the Kamala Harris's of the world. Now, who's that lady that did the State of the Union? Uh, she did the response. Uh, Stacey Abrams. Year later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She failed or she lost the Georgia run. That's right. So yeah. then she comes in and she does her little piece. And just because they're eloquent, Reverend, or uh, sorry, Barack Obama did this, President Obama, just because they were eloquent, it was almost like, oh, that, they knew what they were talking about. Not really. They just knew how to spin yeah, it. They're smarter than we are. That's exactly That's it. That's the same thing what we just referred to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what is it that... How do, how do I say this? I, I want to ask the question right. It took you, you know, Miss Star Parker, myself, I grew up Democrat. My dad believed uh, the Democratic Party was for the people. And just now he voted for Trump. Like this last election, he's like, I'm voting for Trump. And it was, it was a long, hard six years for me to talk to him about conservative values. I even told him, I don't care if you're Republican. I just don't want you to vote that. You know, and, and I had to walk him through pieces. And it was uh, John Hagee that preached a sermon on how to vote. And, and he was really staunch against Bill Clinton when he was busted uh, with, uh, what's her name? And so how, what do you think it's going to take? It's not just speaking to them, because I do that too. Sure. What's it going to take? It's going to take a spiritual awakening. Obviously. And, uh, and, but to start that off, we, those of us who are advocates of liberty, we must learn how to speak the language that resonates with them where the wall doesn't go up. Mm. Mm. Let me give an example of what I'm talking about. It go, really goes back do to this. Do this line. Yeah. This is good stuff. It, it's, it goes back to understand that how the left has really demonized that word conservative mm. and the name Republican Party. Yeah. So when you use those two words, the wall is up. It's not really that they disagree, but the wall is up. They're not going to listen. So what we have to do, we have to carefully study, show ourselves approved, That's right. and start mm -hmm. speaking a language that resonates with people. We got to take a page out of the Apostle Paul's engagement strategy. And I shared with people last night, we really think about it. Through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, that's the blueprint on how to do diversity outreach. Because the Apostle Paul was a diversity outreach specialist. Yeah. He he was called a commission to take the gospel to the Gentiles, people of different races, if you will. And when you look at Paul's ministry and the life of Apostle Paul, if you recall that by occupation, because God called him and commissioned him to take the gospel to the Gentiles, by occupation, the Apostle Paul was an attorney and he was a tent maker. What well, God called the Apostle Paul to establish a big tent. Big tent is a metaphoric expression for 
diversity outreach. And what do we say all the time? We need to have a what? A big tent. That's right. Mm-hmm. So Apostle Paul gives us the strategy how to do it because he says this. In 1 Corinthians, he said, I have become all things That's right. to all people so that I may win a few. To Christ, and we, yeah. We, yeah. So when you look at other translations, Apostle Paul says, I entered their world, the Gentiles, and I tried to experience life from their viewpoint. If you enter my world as a black American and you try to experience life from my viewpoint, you're going to quickly discover the word conservative and the name Republican Party. Those words are not the language of liberty. They're the language of oppression. Hmm. And when you hmm. use those words, the wall is up. Interesting. Because of how the left has really demonized those words. And also because of um, uh, Republican conservative missteps that happened back in 1964. I, I can share, share that with you later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, well, so can you go there? Sure, yeah. Let me go there now. Yeah, yeah let's, let's do it. it. Go let's, let's just go there for a minute. Here's, here's, a lot of people don't, uh, never heard this perspective. Um, and it is this. On July 2nd, when Lyndon Johnson signed the civil rights legislation into law, you had your staunch, racist, segregationist, Dixiecrats, Democrats, who, who filibustered the bill and voted against it. Okay? Now, there was a certain Republican senator who also voted against it, not because he was a racist. He voted against it based on constitutional grounds. Mm-hmm. His name yeah. was Senator Barry Goldwater. Yeah. In fact, Senator Goldwater was an integrationist, not a segregationist. But with his no vote, he sided with the racist oh. Democrats. Yeah. Now, here's two dots you got to connect. Do you recall what Senator Goldwater's nickname was? I don't remember. His nickname was Mr. Conservative. <sighs> what was the title of the book that he wrote and it was published in 1960? The Conscious of a Conservative. Ooh. Now, add insult to injury. At the 1964 Republican Party National Convention that was held at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, the Republican Party, the Party of Lincoln, the Party of Emancipation, who do they nominate as their presidential candidate to run against Lyndon B. Johnston? Goldwater. Barry Goldwater. Yeah. Mr. Conservative. The man with his no vote sided with the racist Democrats. He went against Goldwater. He went against the Republican Party's platform. Because the Republican Party's platform had always been pro-civil rights. But with his no vote, even though it was based on constitutional grounds, he sided with the racist Democrats. So how quickly did they forget, though, at that time about Lyndon Johnson when he was, like, straight up against the Negro, he would say? Exactly. How exactly. did they forget that? Because or did they know? Well, that was overshadowed by this Republican candidate running for, running for the presidency, running against LBJ, who was for civil rights, all of a sudden. Yeah, literally all which of a sudden. Was. Which so for... that was a big shift. Many of my relatives became Republicans in 1964. And I remember my dad said, you know, Republican Party don't want us. The Democrat Party is worse. What are we going to do? So no. blacks uh, felt politically homeless, in my view. And so, but what, what happened was conservatives, the Republican Party, made the Democrat Party look like heroes to yeah. black folks. Wow. Goldwater got 6% of the black vote. Dr. King even came out with a press release July 16th 
1964, he came out with a press release. He said, quote, I encourage all Negroes and all white people of goodwill to vote against Goldwater because his conservative philosophy, quote unquote, gives aid and comfort to the races. Oh, my goodness. So back then, when I was about 9 or 10 years old, I heard the name Barry Goldwater, conservative, right. Republican Party, yeah. and the word racist using the same sentence. Wow. So those two words have become culturally ingrained to mean racist. But here's the irony of this whole thing. It was the Democrat Party that supported slavery in the South. Totally. It was mm-hmm. the Democrat Party that gave us segregation <laughs> in terms of Jim mm-hmm. Crow laws. But they have the nerve to call somebody else racist. Right. Which has been the MO for That's right. uh, up to control, today. You know, control, control the words. Yeah. They have control of the narrative. And those of us who are literary advocates, we gotta learn how to get control of the narrative back. That's where we are. Yep. Because our brand has been destroyed. Conservative brand, Republican brand, it's been destroyed by the left yeah. through propaganda, negative propaganda, and of course, uh missteps of the past. And so how do we get control of the narrative back? And I've, I've <laughs> and I've heard yeah. Mass, Damn, and I have had had this conversation of you know especially the whole topic of messaging, right? Yes. And and it's almost and, and I'm not at all disparaging these things because obviously I support them, but it when you look at the American flag, the words freedom, liberty, conservatism, you know it's. It's almost like people are numb to them. Even even uh, for white conservatives, you know, it's just kind of this usual thing. And and especially with a new generation coming up, we've got a generation that looks at that stuff and goes, "That's all old white men," which has been obviously the narrative that's been pushed on yeah, that. Old you know. yeah, exactly. So yeah. It's a slavery document called the Constitution. Yeah, exactly. They exploit yep. that. Ah. Here's why Frederick Doug is important. And I'm going to start off by using a very provocative statement. And it, it is this. The political insight of Frederick Douglass in terms of his view of the Constitution, his right. view about liberty, no. his writings are more important, Massey, than the Founding Fathers. And, uh, some people hear me say that and say, okay, that's blasphemy. <laughs> that's, that, that's heresy. How did you say such a thing? Here's my point. The founders gave us two magnificent documents, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution. Now, some of the founders owned the slaves, and the slaves, in many cases, were not freed when the Constitution was ratified. Some of the founders freed their slaves, or the slaves were freed after their death. So when it comes to the founders, they're tainted, and the left exploits that. Now, on the other hand, Frederick Douglass did not own any slaves. He was a slave. Frederick Douglass was not a racist. He was a victim of racism. But in his writings and in his speeches, he affirmed the founders and he affirmed the Constitution, and the left has no answer for that because he writes with a former slave perspective. Mm, got it. Mm. You follow me? I totally understand. So Frederick Douglass, he... he Control the narrative. The, he, he trumps the race cars, so to speak. Yeah. He does. He does. Pun intended. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. The yeah. only and and I agree with you. I think coming from that perspective, like Paul had, I think had a better grip of the Gospels because he suffered for them. Yes. So he could say it wasn't just Christ that went to the cross. I've gone to the cross every day, and you've you've not been strengthened in my bonds. He said when I went to per, when I was persecuted, the church grew. All these things. I understand that completely. I think where people get it is, you know, some of the founders had slaves. 
Adams hated it. Uh, you know, Adams hated it. Thomas right. Jefferson, though he had him, uh, fought with William Wilberforce in England exactly. to end slavery. Right. Uh, Washington got rid of him when his wife died. You know, th- the whole idea of slavery for a lot of these men, and I'm not saying all because some of them did, right. a lot of them really didn't like the idea because we were all created equal. That was the whole premise of this idea. That's right. Great, right. This great idea. And the issue was, though, is you had a bunch of white people at that time talking about liberty. Exactly. And you had a bunch of blacks yeah. who were under oppression. And you had a minimal group of whites with, with 13 colonies that were engulfed in slavery. How do, you, how do you get this idea across? That was one argument William Wilberforce had with his MPs. If you abolish slavery right now in, in this whole trade, the slave trade, there goes our economy. Mm-hmm. So that was the only thing they were hanging on to. And he's exactly. like, but is your economy worth your soul? I think that was kind of the big That's disconnect. The, that was, that was the, the, the uh, big dilemma. That was the dilemma. Here, yeah. Now here's something. Wow, in um, God is so wise. What God has shown me by the founders and other examples, God used imperfect men Amen. to write a noble document. That's exactly uh, right. Moses was imperfect. Absolutely. He murdered a man. But right. yet, God used him to inspire Moses to write the first five books of the Old Testament. That's right, man. Yeah. Get first King download David from the was a perfect. He had his issue with Bathsheba. But yet, God inspired him to write the book of Psalms. The Apostle Paul wasn't perfect. He persecuted the Christians. And the Apostle Paul was given credit for writing the majority of the New Testament. The founders were imperfect. But yet, they wrote a document that reads, not we the white people, but we the people. You got to give them credit for that. That's right. That's right. I think they said that they wanted to see a government perfected over time. They knew that they weren't. like It's like Abraham giving a promise. When Abraham was given a promise of his seed, he wasn't able to see the promise. It was his seed that was going to see the promise. I think a lot of the times when I pour into my kids, for example, I, I tell them all the time, you know, your kids and you will grow up better than daddy. And I do it every morning. I'm, I'm always pouring into my kids. Yeah, yeah. I may not see the fruit of their kids, but they will if they continue that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So putting out that creed for them constantly and consistently, I believe it's just like the Bible. If we don't study the Constitution, you'll never be able to articulate why they wrote it in the first place. This is the reason that you see in New York and you see in where's it, Virginia right. that they can say, well, life doesn't matter. No, to the founders in the Declaration of Independence right. said life comes from God, not you, not government. And so we don't even realize that the Bill of Rights is something the government can't touch. Right. And because we don't study those documents, we can't we're never going to win the narrative. I'm sure if you, expe- you have experienced this. I know I have, but I travel the country and I go to especially the high schools and even colleges. Yep. I asked, always ask Same the students, yeah. tell me, where do your rights come from? That's exactly the mm-hmm. question I ask. Bro. And people say, you know they, they say, they say it comes from the government. No, no, no. When you tell them it comes from God, the eyes open up. And I totally. tell them, if you don't know the truth, you can never recognize a lie yeah. and you'll be a slave. Better watch out. I've had say conversations. That say that again. Say that <laughs> yeah. again. If you don't know the truth, you can never recognize a lie. Amen. Because if you don't know the truth, you can be victimized and you don't even know what your rights are. Yeah. That's why Doug is so key because here's a guy who's a former slave telling us today, y'all better get into this constitution. It's a noble document. The only problem is they had not applied it fairly. There's nothing wrong with the constitution, Doug has said. It's the application of it. That's right. If you don't know the truth, you can never recognize a lie. But I think that's why, too, they had to have moral men. Forgive me, I totally cut you off. But that's the reason you had to have moral, upright, godly men to understand the document. Because when you're dealing with rights, when you're dealing with laws, you don't want someone who's a criminal in their heart 
to start administering laws. That's what you saw for a long, that's long right. time. What and is it? Men are not angels, right? That's exact. That's that, and that's the argument of the Federalist, Anti-Federalist, yeah. right? Yeah. That men aren't angels. We need a strong government. It's funny because when I was reading in, um, in Exodus 18, when it was talking about electing men of good character, when Jethro told Moses, mm. "Go elect men of good character, men who hate covetousness, who love righteousness," right, right, right? right. all these things. Just before that, you know what he said? First, though, he before he even said that, teach them the law. That's right. Teach them the law first. Teach everybody the law. Then elect good men. Why? So we could hold them accountable. Not only that, so that they could hold themselves accountable. That's right. Because if you're going to elect good men that hate covetousness and and love righteousness, watch out. But if they don't know the law, what good is it? You're just a good man. But you'll never you'll never have discernment. You'll never understand what. So in other words, you. This is this is an argument that gets me. Maybe you can elaborate on this because I really want to go with this topic too. I remember. Chris Ann Hall was at this thing in Michigan and she had a politician at her, at her deal. And he said, Chris Ann, I agree with everything you say, everything you say, I agree with. And she, she goes, okay, but do you practice it? And he goes, well, no, I'm elected to do what the people want. And she didn't have a response for that. The first thing that pops into my head is no, bro, you're there to uphold the law. You need to tell your people, I can't do that. And I'm not going to do that because it's unconstitutional. Yeah. I'm not here to work for you. I'm here to uphold that paper that works for you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To keep you free. That's the contract. That's, That's right. exactly right. This whole thing is, are, we're electing politicians to say, well, you're supposed to do what I want you to do. That's right. Not if it goes against the law. That's exactly right. And that's the problem on the other side in terms of what the left wants to do. There's certain people who voted for AOC. They want certain things done. Of course. So she got to go there and do what they want. Well, she got to skirt around the law. And the whole thing what gets me about this whole left movement, I talk about, you know, they talk about uh, 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 social justice, social engineering. You know what that really is? And I really think, when you really think about it, it's playing mischief with our lives, treating us like we're social guinea pigs. Oh, jeez. And I you know Never where I got that, that from? Frederick Douglass. All right, four million blacks were technically free from slavery, and the Emancipation Proclamation yeah. was signed. Douglas being the civil rights leader at the time, they came to Douglas. What shall we do with the Negro was the question. Douglas said, what you mean, what shall we do with it? You made him a slave. What else you want to do? <laughs> what else you want to do? Doug said, leave him alone and mind your own business because you're playing mischief with his, with, with his life, with your policies of taking Dude. care of him. Douglas said, don't treat blacks like they're a special class of people. Fair but no favor. Douglas said, you didn't do anything special for the Irish. <laughs> Leave them alone. See? That's what the left wants to do. <laughs> and now, they're smart. They're super smart. But they want to take care of us. And that was a real controversy right after the Civil War and during the, the what, Great Reconstruction, right? Reconstruction was yeah. that the controversy was, okay, what do we do now? Do we give reparations? Do we give land donkey? Do we mm-hmm. provide mm-hmm. this? Do we give social programs? Do we do nothing? You know, and, and they're... There was a whole argument going on amongst black leaders. Even what the, do we uh, do radical now? Republicans had you know. this debate because um, Douglas was all about land, which is property, which, which is property. Locked, it goes back to lock. Yeah, and so Doug said, "Give them some land," and Douglas advocated that. And so you're exactly right. And there are some policies known just give them the right to vote. Douglas said, "No, give me some land. Yeah, I can create my wealth because money money talks." See what I'm saying? That's exactly right. That's what the Jews understood in terms of their how they overcome. In terms, I've read some books how they critique the civil rights movement. 
in terms of the civil rights movement, which was a good thing, but they put politics over economic empowerment. Mm. We went out and begged for our rights. If we had our economic house together, we would have demanded so, our rights. You know, I, I, go ahead. So something so interesting is in good too. It, it, that as well as land is different from just money. Mm. So if I, if I just hand you a hundred bucks, well, there's no value really That's in right. that hundred bucks because you it, you have no connection to it. Whereas land is something where now you have the opportunity to produce crops or livestock or to open your own become a landlord. shop, become a landlord. Right. Like Rent it out. You have, yeah. you have control over that property that's to right. create economic success. And I think that's, that's a problem of, okay, if I just hand you money, you're not learning. That's right. You're, you're not learning on your own. You're not, you're not becoming your own responsible person. Suddenly I've just become That's a good point. Cause remember after the civil you know? war, um, the government gave uh, civil rights, civil rights, Civil War veterans, 160 acres of land, okay? Mm-hmm. And Douglas told blacks, y'all, y'all veterans, y'all black, go after this land. Yeah. If you apply for it, the government will give you 160 acres of land. Your counterparts, your white citizens, they have done the same. Now to become landlords, wealthy men. Wow. Y'all, we need to do the same. Exactly right. Wow. Doug, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I've learned so much by the life and writings of Frederick Douglass. I'm of the strong opinion, if you can tell, if we're serious about um, preserving liberty and the blessings of liberty for our prosperity and knowing what we're, pulling, what we're dealing with, the opposition, the tyrants, we got to learn how to incorporate the inspiring life of Frederick Douglass and the informative writings of Douglass into our message. It trumps the race card. The left has no answer for Frederick Douglass, and they never will. Yeah. So never will. I want to go back to something. You, yeah. you, you, have you ever heard this guy, Dr. Umar Johnson? Yes. Yeah. He said something. Now, I don't agree with a lot of what he says. <laughs> I mean, he's very well studied. He's very well studied, and he does know black culture, black history, and all these things. He said something, though, and I never really did my homework, and I, God forgive me, and I was going to. He was talking about the blacks were doing really well up until... The 60s, like in, in some ways in, in the big urban areas, they were working, they were welders, they were they, they had their own businesses. And then all of a sudden when civil rights came in, it was like they stripped it and made us beg for what we were already doing. In well, a sense, he, he made it sound like there was prosperity happening because it was just leave me alone. It was prosperity was happening when there was segregation. Believe it or not, um, my family were from Arkansas. Before segregation occurred, no my, racism there. Yeah, my my, <laughs> my mother's my mother's nice. father had his own bus line because the whites wouldn't go really? to that area. Yeah, had had their own hotels. When the integration came in, lost all that. Yeah. Couldn't compete with that. Now they ca- didn't have the capital to yeah, compete with that. But to force businesses to love one another, in a sense. You see now where they're going after these guys in Utah that are against gay weddings, right, right. right? Using the same thing. It's a civil rights thing. How do you fare with that? Like, how can mm. you, as a conservative or a Frederick Douglass Republican, yeah, yeah. can you comment on that, the constitutionality yeah. of it? Because I don't believe it was constitutional for a federal government to go into a business and say, you must, you know? I'm, I'm a slightly different. I felt that you, you, you can't use the Constitution to deny, to deny someone else their human rights. Right. Human rights trump the Constitution. Right. So basically what uh, Goldwater was doing, in my opinion, he wanted to be so constitutionally right that he was morally wrong. Hmm. So you're going to tell black folks in Mississippi who are at the hands of the oppression of mm-hmm. white politicians 
that you're going to wait to interfere and in, intervene what's going on in the South? What are black folks going to do in the meantime? That's right. Deal That's with right. this immoral treatment. That's why I'm saying a lot yeah. of it was good. Yeah. And it was just like, but how far does government authority go? Does that make sense? I, I, I think the government should go as far as it needs to if if it's an immoral act is, is taking place. Robbing somebody of their human rights, you got to step in. And don't do it with gradualism. Give me liberty, give me death that's right a, now. That's right. That's, that's the point. Right. But then does that trump states' rights? So like yeah, you, it does trump. But yeah, right, if right. the states doing something more, it should that's trump. Right, it. That's right. That's, that's right. That's right. That's the clarity I wanted to bring yeah, here. Because yeah. a lot of people say, well, what about states' rights? Blah, blah, blah. No, if, if it's immoral and that's it's right. destroying human dignity, exactly that's right. where you have to step that's in. That's where you got to step in. The issue that we have today is they're calling now sin a civil right. And so that's where they're starting to convolute a lot of these lines. They're co-opting it. Of course. That's what they're doing. Yeah. And we got to be careful because they're the left, they're clever in how to disguise their evil intent. They're, just, they're clever with it. They give it a name, the fairness doctrine. They give it a name to hide what they're really doing is evil. That's it's right. Not, it was about being fair. Right. Um, yeah, so I'll, instead of instead of calling it thievery, yeah. the rich have too much money. There's too many poor people. We need to help those poor people, so we're going to up the tax. Not say we're going to steal and, from you. And they always they they love to speak in terms of morality. There's there's always this sense of morality. You know you, what AOC just said about billionaires. It's immoral to have a, a society. She used the word she, immoral. Used, yeah. yeah. And see, like if I wish I wish I was a politician because I would call her. Right? <laughs> because you know what you're saying. Here's my thing. I totally get Matter you. Fact, I'm going to do it through my blog anyway. Here's my thing. It's probably why oh, we're not. Okay, AOC. <laughs> okay, AOC. You want to impose this lifestyle on us where there's no planes, we're going to give our automobiles. Well, won't you lead by example and show us how that's done? Go ahead and get rid of your... Uh, your luxury vehicles, not just you, but your whole family. Stop traveling by air to D.C. <laughs> Show us this lifestyle you're talking about. Then we will decide if that's what we want to live on. You're not going to decide for us. The slave master, what Douglas said, the tyrants, he tried to impose a lifestyle upon the slaves that he exempted himself from. Case in point. Health care. Health care. Case in point. Shut down the federal government and you got politicians still getting paid. Ah, what's it? That's what there's Jefferson nothing new in the sun. Tyranny is, is 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 what the government doing what you can't do. That's right. That's here, and that's the slave master mentality. That's exactly it, man. Slave master mentality. So what I learned over the years, because of our poor education system, sure, some folks don't understand uh, Marxism, communism, socialism. So I learned I had to give them a different metaphor. And the metaphor I share with them is slavery. And by bringing up slavery, I bring up Frederick Douglass to help tell the story. You see what I'm saying? So not just like giving this. facts, like but giving the emotional story of what Douglass dealt with. Which you're actually, you're, you're nailing something that's so popular in culture right now. Like, race is everywhere, right? And, and slavery is always talked about, especially from the left. You, you get this, this narrative of race. they're obsessed with this idea. Right. And so now you're taking it and you're going, okay, let's talk about it. That's right. You, you want to talk about it? Let's talk about it. And I'm going to tell you about Frederick Douglass, right. which you can't yeah, argue exactly. against. Because the left <laughs> talk about race to shut conservatives up. Okay? That's why I talk about race. Uh, but... We, you got to learn how to take the pushback from the left and turn around, make it a teachable moment like the Christ did with the scribes and Pharisees. That's exactly right. Yeah. 
Y'all learn. It's a, it's a technique. Yeah. And that's what we teach. That's what we advocate. Yeah, Jesus answered the question with a question. I love that's it. right. Oh, yeah. he, I love it. he never, when you look at it now, he never said yes or no to a question. He said, it is written. I tell you the truth, meaning that he knew his history. That's what we got to do as conservatives. Exactly we right. got to know our history. Somebody call you a racist? Don't say yes or no. Yeah. You got to not turn it around. And what we teach is this. Say somebody say, can't call you an Uncle Tom. Look, I do, I've been inspired by the life and the writings of Frederick Douglass. I'm more than a Republican. I'm more than a conservative. I'm a Frederick Douglass Republican. And I believe in life and power and values of Frederick Douglass. Respect for the Constitution. Respect for life. I believe in limited power of government. I believe in personal responsibility. It comes out of Second Thessalonians. If a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. You, do you show those values of Douglas? Over 90% of Americans will say yes. Well, guess what? That makes you a Fred Douglas Republican, too. That's right. Boom. Turn it around. <laughs> Turn it around on him. I learned you, you leverage Frederick Douglas or the teachings of Jesus Christ. Right. More so Frederick Douglas. I think, too, because we're, we're, you and I both go into colleges and schools and things. If their authority isn't scripture, we've got to use reason. That's what they're trying to do mm -hmm. all the time, reasoning mm -hmm. themselves into an argument or out of an argument. And that's the best lead into the gospel. I think, <clears throat> you know, it's funny. Every time I talk, it's like, you know where I get all this stuff from? You know, once it makes sense, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus taught me how to be a man. Yeah, yeah. Jesus taught me how to provide for my family. Jesus taught me what self-worth was and love was. He taught me how to love my enemy, man. You got hit it from the side. That's exactly right, man. Yeah. Because even Jesus, like, his words meant nothing, even to his disciples, until they understood the spirit, because remember, they weren't converted. Even uh, Jesus told Peter, he said, when you're converted, once you're converted, go and strengthen your brain. He wasn't converted yet. Mm -hmm. There was something that had to happen to Peter and Paul and, and all these guys. Right. Once they got it, though, it was like, oh, my God. Every... Now it makes sense. Well, you know? Let me show you this with, with a lot. When I travel the country, I hear Republicans and conservatives talking about the need for outreach. And I keep telling them, you're not ready for outreach. Do some <laughs> inreach. And it goes back, remember when in Acts first, I think Acts 1, Christ is talking to the disciples. They get ready to go yep. out. He said, I want you to start in Jerusalem, Judea, go to Samaria, Samaria, then out of the parts of the earth. Well, Jerusalem is where you are. That's your community. That's your family. He didn't tell them to go out and do outreach. See, outreach is Samaria. Outreach is going to a community of people Asia. who may not look like you. Yeah. And they may be antagonistic. That's right. He didn't say go do outreach first. Do outreach first. That may be your son, your daughter. My Jerusalem's where I live. Your Jerusalem is where you live. Then he said Judea. Those communities around your community. Outreach is, at, is after Judea. What Republicans, conservatives want to do, and they're not ready for this because they want to do, they want to go to Samaria. No, you don't know what words to use. The words you use in Samaria may be offensive. Get trained how to use the right words. And whoa, because when you go out and do outreach, you go to Samaria, you use the wrong word, you just blew a perfect opportunity, and you may not get that opportunity again. That's exactly. Dude. Unlike with your family, because you see them all the time. Doesn't that resonate, bro? Because we talk about this often. Yeah. Especially when we're preaching, it's like everybody wants these big, bad ministries. You know, they all want the gifts, and they all want to be used by God. But it's like, when's the last time you witnessed to your neighbor? We got to, yeah. yeah. Like, when's the last, you know, like, y'all want to heal people and get prophecy. <sighs> But your neighbor needs the gospel. Start in your precinct. Start there. <laughs> exactly right. Holy smokes, man. Like, yeah. I, I was talking to Pastor the other day, actually yesterday. So I'm going to call the mayor. I just took over this stuff. So I'm like, I'm going to call the mayor, man. 
I'm going to see what we can do to like help out here in the city. And what does that look like for my young adults? I want them to know that they work for you. You don't work for, you know what I mean? They work for you. What do we have to do to come in here and influence government? Knowing what we know, how we're training them, right? Well, it, it starts there. Exactly right. Here's a quote from Frederick Douglass. He said, first of all, Douglass believed, that he believed in agitation. Hmm. You don't sit back and let politicians run amok. You got to agitate them. You got to push them to success. But Douglas said this. He said, nevertheless, this is no time for the friends of freedom to fold their arms and consider their work at an end. The price for liberty is eternal vigilance. That's right. We got to be vigilant when somebody steps out of line, a politician, R or D behind their name or I, we got to get out there and agitate them. We got to push them to success. And the question I was asked the other day, the whole issue about is President Trump a racist? Personally, I don't think so. Me neither. But but for the sake of an argument, let's say if President Trump was a racist, how do we deal with that? How do we turn that around? What I've learned is his values, it's not important to me. I don't care about his values. I care about his legislation. You see what I'm saying? And I got that from studying Frederick Douglass. When you, look, when you study the relationship between Douglass and Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln was, in fact, a racist because in this debate with Stephen Douglas, Lincoln said he felt that blacks were inferior to whites, intellectually inferior, and he believed that blacks could not coexist with whites. That's why Lincoln started a Back to Africa movement that Douglas blasted him on it. And so Lincoln was a racist, but Douglas said, I'm not going to give up on him. I'm going to push him to greatness through agitation. In other words, when Lincoln didn't want to sign the Emancipation Proclamation, it was Frederick Douglass, Wendell Phillips, Charles Sum uh, Sumner, Sojourner Truth. They started agitating him, putting pressure on Lincoln. Lincoln probably didn't change his values, but he did change his legislation. Pharaoh was a racist. He didn't want to let the Jewish his, yeah. uh, go. Ooh, but guess yeah. what? Pharaoh didn't change his va values. He changed his legislation. He let the people of God go. See what I'm saying? Hmm. So I could care less if somebody's racist. I care about his legislation. Is Trump passing policies that are aligned with Jim Crow policies? I'm not seeing that. If he was, that was racist. But the policies I've seen, they're class A. It's empowering economically the black community. Where unemployment is low. Opportunities are there in STEM. And funding is there in black communities. My organization is taking advantage of that. So, or seeking to take advantage of that. So the whole issue about President Trump is a racist is not the issue. The issue is about his legislation. Mm. That's the Holy Spirit's job to change his values. That's right. That's not my job. Wow. That's good. And that's, 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 uh, yeah. Because, well, look, I'm going to be honest because we're always honest on the show. That convicts me. Not because I don't pray for President Trump, not because I don't believe in what he's doing, but I'm not a staunch supporter of him. I'm not because just four and a half, five years ago, he was a Democrat before he got elected. Yeah, yeah, not. So yeah. it's like, it's hard for me to think you just turned on a dime. Now, mm -hmm. there are some things that he's done that I'm like, I applaud and mm -hmm. I publicly stated. There are some things that I'm like, bro, where's constitutionally your authority, bro? Mm -hmm. Be careful. And the one thing I don't like is a lot of prophecy and a lot of these guys saying, he's got the Cyrus anointing. And it's like, he's not a king, bro. He's a president. Mm -hmm. Don't even put that on him. I don't want a king here. And that's what they're almost after. It's like, let Trump do everything. No. So I'm not a strong Trump supporter for those reasons. But that convicts me because it's like, you know what? 
what if it's us that man this is good this is really convicting to me and this is i appreciate you saying that because it pushes me now to agitate more that's the well, key that that that's key, so good we got to agitate you, you got me praise god because i've been i've been i've been in, i've been in prayer about that like hey, lord what, what do you want me to do in this situation let me break it down to a slavery metaphor doug has escaped from slavery i think 10 years it could have been 20 years i'm not sure my mind is escaping me when doug escaped from slavery he writes a letter back to his former slave master, okay? In that letter, Douglas said, I forgive you for all the things you did to me. Douglas said, I have no animosity in my heart because he said, I'm going to use you as an example how men ought to treat each other. Now, I don't know if I could have done that. You know, I'm still a, I'm a work in progress. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that kind of forgiveness. Yep. <laughs> still pray for me. But then Douglas said in that letter, he said, and oh, by the way, um, I want you to free my mother, grandmother who's there, my brother and sister who's still there on the plantation. I want you to free them. As a matter of fact, I want you to free all 400 slaves you got on your plantation. Doug said, until you free them, I'm going to write about you in my books. I'm going to talk about you in my speeches. I'm going to blast you out. I'm going to call you out on all my blogs that I write. And Doug said, 20 years for the mass prostitution, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed. Through agitation, Doug is his former slave master, freed all his slaves. Hmm. Agitation works. And we got to agitate politicians. You know, I think a lot of times conservatives, we we get it opposite. It. We pay attention it. to the values of our politicians. And we go, oh, well, they have my best interest because they share some values sure. that I do. So okay. whereas especially progressives, you look at Saul Linsky's Rules for Radicals, the whole thing was about agitation. Was, the yeah, whole thing yeah. was how do you cause chaos in order to get the get what right. you want, get the right. way. You get the voice right? out. Right. And, I, and I think you've nailed it is that conservatives need to learn how to agitate. Obviously in a, in a proper way, a but proper, that's key. hey... Take the high road. Yeah, but we're that's not going to be quiet anymore. We're not going to sit back and go, oh, well... They're taking care of it for us. To, to add to it, I think this is where people are like, they say this a lot, and, and, I, and I've had to take pastors and sit them down and say, you got to quit saying this. Don't the churches realize the power that they have? True, we have power, but my people are destroyed because they lack knowledge, not power or money. It's knowledge. If you don't know, your power means nothing. Right, your power, right. You're powerless without the knowledge to articulate, again, the position that the church really has in this, in this day and age. I think that's kind of the biggest issue is uh, if we're honest with ourselves, that's the only thing we really lack is knowledge. We have all the money. The church, I think in 2016, I did a stat thing. I think it was Barna Research. It's like the church pulled in $19 trillion in tithes and offerings and money. Yeah. Money's not the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Power is not the issue. We know we got the Holy Ghost. We've seen healings and miracles and we prove them, right? You've prayed uh, God's prospering hand over us as a family and it's happened. I've seen it happen with my eyes. Power is not the issue. It's knowledge. We don't know. And what we don't know, we can't practice. We can't articulate. I think that's why people get stumped. And Pastor and I were talking about this yesterday. He said, Max, I see your passion with abortion. And I, I'm very passionate. I've always been passionate about it. Not just now. And you ever notice now yeah. it's really quiet? Now it's quiet. We don't talk about it anymore. It's kind of sad. But he said, but what's the next step? How do we get rid of these abortions? What do we do? And it really got me. I was like, you know what? Then that's what I need to pray into. What is the next step to get these people on board to do what they need to do? I think a lot of the times they think politicians are out of reach. No. Sue would attest to that. 
Yeah, you know, I do a lot of calling, but there's really no 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 response. I do a lot of calling. I'm out there hammering the phones, but there's no response. I sit down with these politicians, but really there's no response. When Karen Vaughn went out there to go talk to uh, what was her name, Nancy Pelosi, they wouldn't even let her see her. So they think it's. I think people think they're just out of touch. They're going to do whatever they want. Doesn't matter what I say. What do you say to that? You can't take that position. We got to agitate. Thank we you. We got to agitate. Thank we you. We can't sit back. I say that yeah. to see what that response was. That's exactly right. Edu- yeah. Can't sit down. Can't sit down. And that's been the problem. We've sat down for too long. Took our hands off the steering wheel, and for the lack of a better expression, the government has run amok. Yeah, and we allow the opposition to run the agenda, take the agenda, and push. But can things. we be honest here? It's both parties that allow twenty-two oh, trillion dollars yeah. in, yeah. in debt. The schools being run exactly amok. Exactly right. Abortion to happen. It's both parties, not just one. One thing that I did not uh, mention, but I need to make it clear: as a Frederick Douglass Republican, we're not an appendage of the Republican Party. Okay, see, the Republican Party is bad. The Democrat Party is worse. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> we 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 are a move, we are a movement. Say it, bro. We're a movement, and based on the life and writings of Frederick Douglass. Yeah, and and I do. I'm starting to agree now with this 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 theory, and it was Bill Federer that told me he's like, you gotta work with what you have, and and if you start something new, it's more it's harder to get the the cause. I think that's why the guys like Rand Paul, Ron Paul, a lot of these cats that were libertarian had to run as Republicans because their message never would have got out mm-hmm. on anything of liberty. It sounds to me like even if when you reference Frederick Douglass, because I haven't done much study on him, was it you that I was with or did I send you the picture of that uh, donkey? Remember there was an elephant and a donkey? Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. And it had Frederick Douglass's picture on the donkey? Yes. Yeah. Right? But yes. where was I going with that? I was going somewhere with that. Where they've co-opted. Yes. So it, it, how do I say this? How do we work within the party now? Agitation. More agitation? <laughs> okay, so agitation, but where does knowledge come in, though? Because, like, I have a ton of knowledge, like, and that's kind of the problem. I, that's why I had a meeting with Pastor. Why did God allow me to learn all this stuff for the last 12 years, and now I'm pastoring? Not that, I was like, please don't think that that's a bad thing. I'm not you, saying it's yeah, a bad for thing. for you to teach it and yeah, empower for, others. T- so, so, but then also, too, like, it's not just empowering. Like, for me, I would much rather be in front of a line of protest. And to have the voice, because that's just, I'm, I'm built that way. I'm built to bulldoze. That's, that's my job, mm-hmm. right? I think a lot of people, though, they're not built like me, and I sometimes think that they are. They don't even know it, mm-hmm. right? How, how do we empower not just blacks, man? It's not just the blacks. It's, shoot, the Latins, too. I, I think. You know what I mean? It has to be. What we're doing is this, is that we're growing a nationwide liberty movement. It's not based on skin color. It's based on values. Amen. So it cross it, call, it cuts across all uh, ethnicities and uh, genders and age. It's all about this liberty movement and teaching conservatives or liberty advocates how to leverage the life and writings of Frederick Douglass. I keep saying that because in order to be successful. What we have to do first is win the propaganda battle. It's not the battle of ideas. We have our problems. It's the ba- it's the propaganda battle. Hmm. Only way you can win a propaganda battle is with Frederick Douglass. He's a victim of racism, not a racist. See what I'm saying? That will work with him. Douglass, you know, I didn't I didn't cover this, but Douglass was a slave for 20 years. Okay, he was born below poverty. He was born into slavery. Frederick Douglass, when he passed away. He had $300,000 in savings. Whew. That's like $21 million today. I was going to say, holy yeah, smokes. Come on, man. 
wait a minute. He started below poverty. He was on a plantation for 20 years, getting that free stuff, slave master entitlements, health care, clothing, hmm. shelter, food. Hmm. Escape from that stuff. You know, he got this walk away and can't walk away campaign. Douglas ran away. Okay. He was a runaway <laughs> slave. He ran away. And so, <laughs> but then he he discovered his God given gifts, his God given talents. He took his obsession and he made a profession. How did he how did he become articulate to to I mean, because in let's be honest, slavery, he's an avid reader. I was gonna say they didn't teach them how to read and write in a lot of he taught himself. He started he started his own homeschooling program while he was a slave boy on the plantation. That's crazy. And the, that's he, the Lord, man. His, the two books he had, he had the dictionary, the Bible, and a third book that he got at the age of twelve. He purchased called the Columbian Orator, which is the book that teaches you how to speak. God put that book in his life, this path, at the age of twelve. And because he was a reader of the dictionary, and when you read Douglas' life, he memorized Shakespeare. So when Douglas spoke, he didn't sound like a slave speaking. Matter of fact, when he started speaking, they thought Douglas was an imposter. And then Douglas said, y'all think I'm an imposter? Okay, I'm going to write a book. Matter of fact, let me show you the scars on my back. Wow. That he was that articulate in his vocabulary, that extensive. Unbelievable. So pretty soon, I'm going to see a friend of Douglas picture in some way. <laughs> you will. You will. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I promise you. Yeah, because I, you know, and impact. And, and it is impact. I think you said it, man. He uses a lot of imperfect people. God will use a lot of yes. imperfect people to get his will out there. I only have some of these men, and I've got tons of pictures. I've got Wesley, Moody, Finney, all these guys that 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 are that I want to hang in my office, but obviously I don't have the wall space. I look at people who influence society with a word, not with a bayonet, but with a word. Mm-hmm. And they can shake things, man. Mm-hmm. The more you talk about him, and the, obviously I want to do more homework and, and study him, but the more you talk about him, it wasn't about a a, a physical revolution. It was a revolution it was in here. Intellectual, uh, his gifts and talents was writing because he owned several newspapers. Um, the North Star was the most the most prominent one um, that he was publisher of. Um, speaking, writing were his gifts, and. Uh, and his tongue, my brother, to be, to be a former slave and to achieve the level of success in his life. And what I like about when I tell folks what God has shown me that no matter which victim category the left try to put people in, no American today can out victimize Frederick Douglass. No, nope. hmm. all your excuses go away. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Because even in poverty levels here, you're That's doing right. way better than that, most. That brother wrote four books. I, I said, at least I can write one, you know? <laughs> I got to write one day. That's what everybody tells me to. She's told yeah. me to. You got to write a book. I'm like, I don't yeah. have time. But yeah, I get it. What you need to do, what you do. And when you speak, always record. I don't care if it's audio, primary audio. Record what you're doing. Record all your speeches. And then when you get back, after you get like eight, nine months of, of audio, get this program uh, called Dragon Speak Softly. It'll take your audio, and the program will convert it to text. All you got to do is go and edit it. You got your book. <laughs> That's what T.D. Jakes does. His sermons, and when he comes out these little books, he records all his sermons, okay, transcribing the text. That's his book, and just edit it. The content's there. You just got to document the content. That's true. That's true. 
I'm not as organized as you, sir. No. I'm not as, you got, you got this <laughs> but I will be. You got In this Jesus big old 50 inch Apple screen. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, we, I did edit our own DVD and, and filmed it. We filmed yeah. it a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yes, that was good. You mentioned the agitation with Pelosi and Karen not being able to speak to her. One person alone has this much influence. We get 100 people after Nancy Pelosi on an issue. She's going to talk. Gonna open the door. Yep. She's going to start opening the door. It's about, it's about numbers. It really is. And you know, it's funny, and I always say this in almost every podcast, in any kind of biblical story, God never used a majority to win his battle. It's not the, it's not the numbers. It really yeah. is the power of the Lord. The founders knew it. Frederick Douglass knew it. Civil he rights, had to have known. Civil rights movement, the same thing. Totally. N- not all blacks were involved in the civil rights movement. No. And, and to be okay. honest with you, I think, well, this is going to sound controversial. I don't mean it to. A lot of whites were involved in the civil rights movement, too. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't really hear that side of it. I mean, people, they really do want unity. Yeah. There's people out there that really, and all we hear is this bad stuff. You know, like, oh, every, every cop shoots a black guy. It's kind of the narrative now. All the cops shoot black people. Not if you go to Chicago. You know, I'm just saying. But, right? <laughs> but this is the narrative that gets pushed on our throats. And in reality, I just believe, like, in, in a lot of ways, more people are willing to unite if we can get them united. If we, we we've got to teach them how to talk to that's each exactly other. Exactly right. That's man. the that's the rub. Open your mouth. We got to teach conservatives how to articulate a universal language of liberty, what resonates with people, because we've been losing this propaganda battle for so long and so badly. People we have things in common with don't listen to us because we're speaking the wrong words. Yeah. Or identify. Give me, give me, for, give me for an example of this. Yeah, I don't. I'm a, I listen to Rush Limbaugh when I can, but I, this particular day, I I just happened to be listening to it, and Rush was talking about messaging. So Rush Limbaugh said, "This is November the 28th." He said, "The left has done a masterful job of demonizing the word conservative." When he said that, I said, "Rush agrees with me." Cause I've been saying that for the past 11 years and doing this whole message. Then he goes on to say, he tell he's telling his audience, he said. When you are out there engaging and you have a chance to have a, a, a conversation with somebody who don't agree with you, he said, do not use the word conservative. I said, Russia agrees with me again. <laughs> he, said, he said, I'm not saying stop, don't, uh, stop being a conservative. He said, I'm not saying that. Don't stop being a conservative, but understand, don't use that word. Hmm. So Rush's solution was, he said, instead of identifying yourself as, as a conservative, identify yourself as a problem solver. And I said, Rush is on the right track, but calling yourself a problem solver doesn't go far enough because sooner or later, when you start talking about solving problems, you're going to talk about conservative values, values on the problems. Yeah. What's the values behind it? So I said, I said, Rush needs to know. That's one reason why I'm in this state. I'm going to beat some drums loud so he can hear it. He lives in Jupiter. Um, he needs to know and understand that the there is an answer to his 30-year dilemma, he said. The answer, the best way to describe yourself or identify yourself where you can win control of the narrative and articulate your position on the issues is by identifying yourself as a Frederick Douglass Republican. See, when you take the liberty message of Frederick Douglass and you combine that with the, the, the diversity outreach strategy of Apostle Paul, the left got to go back to France now. They don't have an answer yep. for they don't have an answer for that strategy. Hmm. That's what this is all about. Amen. That's what this message movement is all about. Amen. Two things: why it works for whites and Politico. 
Okay, I do the last one first. Politico. Let's talk about this. And I read the article. There was an article in Politico last week um, talking about in the Democrat Party there is a element in the Democrat Party they call they call themselves Justice Democrats. The the spearhead of that movement in the Democrat Party is AOC. Hmm. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, whatever her name is. You nailed okay. it. Okay. <laughs> she, okay. Why do they keep doing that? Can't we just call her like Senator Cortez? Yeah. Like why can't we? Yeah. But anyway, so what's going on in the Democrat Party? That the Justice Democrats, they're trying to seize power and leadership away from Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, John Lewis. Mm-hmm. In order to do that. You you will never guess this, but guess how they're describing Nancy Pelosi and Schumer? They're describing them as conservative Democrats. Not because they are conservative, but they know by using that word conservative, it automatically brings up opposition and hatred toward that person. The left knows that. And see, we've been using that word. They know they know they have us over the barrel when we use that word. The other thing was what about why it works for whites. Oh, yeah. why does the message work? This whole for messaging strategy, the Frederick Douglass Public Message Strategy, it is more powerfully effective when a, someone that's not a black American uses this methodology. Here's why. As an African American, when I say that I hold Frederick Douglass in high esteem, people expect me to say that because that's my ethnicity. But if you're a white person or Latino and you say that I've been inspired by the life and writings of Frederick Douglass, I hold him in high esteem. I agree with his life and power and values. You don't expect a white Latino conservative to be saying that they're racist. Why? They're talking about a black guy and holding a black guy in high esteem. You see what I'm saying? That's not what we're taught by CNN and MSNBC to think of conservatives. They're racist. They're Uncle Tom's. They're not going to do that. But when you carefully study and show yourself approved, and you mean this from your heart, where this is your testimony, it resonates. Mm, amen. Left has no answer for it. None whatsoever. And I None. love it. None. I love it. It's not just because of the left or right either. It's getting America back to its standard. It's nothing to do with the right or the left, because the yeah. right or the left destroyed it. It's us getting back to the standard, and it starts with us. Yeah. It starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with Nancy, Mike, you know, Bruno. It starts with all of us. Um, I guess that's the inreach. It is the inreach, man. Like it's it's you being mobile in yourself, dude. Listen, man. He's been forgiven much, loves much. If I've been forgiven much, I have no problem telling people about Jesus Christ. If you love liberty, man, and if you don't understand it, you'll never talk about Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. You just won't do it. Mm -hmm. Remember this cat? He started coming to the young adults groups, and I remember I preached once, and he said, "Your passion. There's something about your passion. I want to help you. God told me I had to help you." There's something about passion and engaging people to, to to move and to motivate. That's what gets them to do what they do. Sure. And uh, sure. dude, I I'm like I'm cheesing right now, man. This is awesome because like it empowered us. It wasn't even like I we didn't plan on going this direction, but I think it's good. Yeah. You know, either either way. Um, you know, I, Douglas is so comprehensive. There's so many ways you can go with Douglas entrepreneurship. Uh, Doug is writing about the Second Amendment. Here's something Doug is wrote. You know, people always talking about the Second Amendment rights. I tell folks, leave my Second Amendment rights alone. Here's what Doug has said about the Second Amendment. And I'm paraphrasing, but it said to this point. He said, if, black, if blacks would have had weapons, 
never would have been any slavery. That's exactly right. <laughs> no. But I even, you know, and, and this is where I go a step further. There's no such thing as a Second Amendment. It's the Constitution. God gave me the right to own That's right. an arm. That's right. When we put that standard back on God, it, all 48 states, actually 50, but all of them have some kind of preamble that says, we acknowledge Almighty God as a giver of freedom and blessing. We keep veering away from that. Then the standard becomes man. That's right. And then we have the AOCs of the world. Dude, you know what's bothering me? This may sound conspiratorial, but how is she getting all this press? Well, she, she, it's all design, you know. That's yeah, how it's designed, dude. Oh, it's yeah. like, oh yeah. She doesn't because know anything. Even CNN's laughed her off the stage. They, ha- they have to elevate her because. Um, but she's got nothing. Like they're they're literally. What does Alexandria Ocasio think about President? Who cares? She's twenty nine and can't answer a question at all. Is, you know. Is it keeping us off of the topic of infanticide? It's, it's, it is That's part of it, and also is this. What I've learned is. Just because somebody has a celebrity status doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. Nope. And the problem we have as a nation, <clears throat> we are celebrity worshipers. That's right. And since we're celebrity worshipers, when, you, when you're a celebrity, people for some reason want to know what you think. And I don't care what some folks think who has money. I don't agree with yeah, that. Yeah, like it's, Jim Carrey. All, all Jim Carrey's kind of I don't care what Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah. Stay funny. Yeah, well, that's, what, that's what they do. Steve, I don't. I don't believe in saying, "Oh, LeBron should stick to basketball." He should. No, let him speak if he's got an idea. I'll tell you this: that dude does more. He's done more for Ohio than most conservatives have. I promise most, you that. Most, most definitely. With opening his school and giving free tuition, he's doing it out of his own benevolence, not that's a government. Right. That's right. He's doing it. Yeah. Can't, I applaud you one hundred percent. Don't like anything you say about policy. Yeah. But what you're doing, that's something we can emulate as Christians. Exactly. I right. promise you that. Yeah. Right. So, right here, you see that. Gotta get that book. Can you see that? All right. It's good enough. We'll figure yeah, it out. Yeah, we'll figure <laughs> so, like, listen, guys, I'm I'm so honored, man. I finally got the chance to meet you. The pleasure's I, all mine. You know I, I mean that, and and it's it's because we share the same passion of history and educating people. I think too, being a Hispanic, I, I I'm an American, right? I don't believe in African, Hispanic, whatever, man. I'm not from Mexico, you know. Uh, I'm 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 here. I'm 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 here. This is my country. <clears throat> but being Hispanic and experience races, I've experienced it. I've seen my dad experience it uh, and all those things. I'm not saying I have a unique voice. I'm saying it stinks to know that people who are white and who have the heritage that they have, I don't have that heritage, but I'm going after it because I want to keep that heritage for my kids. Exactly right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and my mom knows more about the Constitution because she took her citizen's test 15 years ago. I taught her how to read English taking those tests. Mm-hmm. We taught her how to read English taking those tests. She knows more about the Constitution than a lot of my white friends do, right? That's a sad thing. But I think we share a common, I don't think it, we share a commonality of how do we get liberty back in our country again and out of the hands of a government because they don't give you liberty, man. You notice everything they do is force, even the Green New Deal. Oh, it's just this, it's just that, by force. You know, how are you going to get rid of your cars? By force. How are you going to, you know what I mean? Everything's by force. But if it's you and I, it's not force. We just agree. Yeah. We're, we're, we're social contract. That's who we are as a people. Dude, if I can't trust a government for how inefficient they are, why can't you trust me? What's the difference between me and a government? I mean, you, you, I, I, I can go on a tangent with that. I'm not going to. It's been an honor, man. If, I don't know if you want to say anything here to end it, but because you're usually the guy that ends it all. But I, I get the book, Frederick Douglass Republicans. Again, go on to, it's uh, LibertyMovementUSA.org. Liberty. Liberty. Messenger. Messenger. USA.org. I, I said that. Yeah. 
I said that. LibertyMessengerUSA.org. LibertyMessengerUSA.org. Liberty Messenger. We'll put it on the on the podcast several times, and we'll we'll direct you guys on a link below on the podcast there. But guys, thank you for tuning in. Um, it's been our pleasure to be here uh, with you, dude. I think, bro, dude, bro, bro. Um, That's okay. I think having the perspective that you have is so vital because here's another way that we can educate the masses. Like I like turning point, you know, I don't agree sometimes with them being cocky, but I like what they're doing, going in and confronting colleges and going into those areas. They just need more knowledge, right? They need more knowledge and they need a solution. They need, that's right. They need a solution. Because, I was going to get to that. And because I, I like that where we have more voices out here, right. Uh, in the wilderness, so to speak. But, um, it's the same rhetoric. Right. Well, they're saying the same thing that Thomas Sowell's been saying all this time about the misery of socialism. It's the same rhetoric. My concern, what's the solution? Right. If you, to me, if you're not solution-oriented where you can tell someone how to do it That's right. so they can become empowered instead of doing it for them, then we're not, not better off. That's, that's kind of what I'm saying. We've said this before, that I never tape my college events or high school events. There's a reason for that. Because I'm not out to win an argument. I'm out to change the soul. And when you do that, then you can point them to action. And I don't think <laughs> yeah. it's it's all about argument and I beat this guy. And did you see him take down this guy? I'm not I'm not for I, that. I, I put it to what I'm not gonna use the word that I normally use if I wasn't inside the church, but I would say engagement is not about being a smart but yeah. <laughs> Okay. That's not engagement. <laughs> no, you're just a jerk. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not engagement. <clears throat> yep. That's not engagement. It's not. That's not empowerment. I'm going to tell you, Maxie, Michael, the answer lies in the life and writings of Frederick Douglass. We should be thanking God for giving us the literary legacy of Frederick Douglass to refute the lies and the false rhetoric of the left. They have no answer for him. Thank God he was a self-proclaimed Republican. Well, thank God. <laughs> but thank God, too, that God chose him. You know what I mean? That That's he right. was chosen and he took That's it right. on. And, and you know what? The only way you're going to do it is by taking on your calling. And that's what we always try to get across here. You take on the calling that you have. Listen, I don't care if it's planting flowers for your neighbor. Do it in the name of Jesus Christ. Save their souls and keep preaching the gospel. That's what this is all about, is setting people free. Again, tune in. Uh, next week, we'll have another show for you, but this one here is going to air. We're probably going to do three or four edits of this, because there's a lot of content yeah. in here, yeah, if you're cool be. with that. And we'll tag him, and we'll get you guys his information. Please get the book, you guys. How much is this? Um, it's, t it's $10 on our website. It's $20. Uh, <laughs> if, if you get it online, it's 20 bucks. And uh, guys, listen, it's to keep him going. Hey, hey, what I normally say, the, the book is free. The autograph is $20. That's, there that's we what go. I'm talking about. <laughs> guys, listen, this is how we sustain ourselves as self-evident is donations. Most definitely. And, and purchases and things like that. Guys, keep them, out, keep them out there. Keep them out there educating. Get the book. Get 20 of them. Hand them out to your friends. That's what this is all about. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Guys, the response has been amazing. Go on theselfevidenttruth.com. If you don't mind, we'll link the book on our website. Uh, there and we'll, we'll link more of the shows yeah. and we'll, Michael uh, have it all edited again thank you again for tuning in and all the responses we've been getting have been amazing I think it's been great mm -hmm. the last topic on masculinity that we did was really good Yeah, uh, was in, good. In, in teaching men how to be men and stand again and that's important but guys keep tuning in we got more stuff for you coming up God bless you guys and we'll see you next week all right. love you guys